about that Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> See, what I was going to do is uh, welcome to What You Will, a tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast where we talk about how disappointed we were by the Game of Thrones finale last night. Oh, good. That's also good. Um, <laughs> of course, it won't be last night by the time this airs, but... Uh, well, people will still be mad about it. People will be mad about it for the rest of time. People are still talking about the Lost finale. I mean, the thing I'm the most upset about with Two Gentlemen of Verona is how they ruined Danny's character arc. It's true. Poor Daenerys Targaryen just, like, wasn't paid her, her dues. I mean, you can do the Mad Queen thing. You just have to write the middle part where she has a reason to go mad. Bran! Bran. Bran. He has the best story. Don't you know? His story's so much more interesting than all the other people he's sitting next to, like his magical assassin sister who can wear people's faces and Sansa Stark. I just didn't expect that we would get a piece of War of the Roses fan fiction that was with dragons and everything that made Henry VI Part 1, 2, and 3 look so good in comparison. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was an esoteric <laughs> Shakespeare joke. Well, okay, because um, it's uh, the Game of Thrones is based on War of the Roses, and so is uh, Henry VI, Part One, Two, and Three, and a number yeah, of Shakespeare's like the other. Yeah, the Starks are the Yorks, and the Lancasters are the Lannisters. And uh, Richard III is also part of the War of the. So, like, basically, Crippled imp. Basically, Game of Thrones is a Shakespeare play, is what I'm With saying. With dragons, and it, oh, man. Yeah, I actually kind of want to do that. I, I would love, I mean, it, I'd have to cut it to be so short because the joke would just be like, it's Game of Thrones. And get, get it? You'd have to get out. But I would love to do like a super cut down Henry VI and have it be just one-to-one Game of Thrones. Speaking of characters we'd like to burn alive with dragon fire. Everyone listening is like, wasn't this the Two Gents podcast? Why are they talking about Henry VI? Speaking of characters we'd like to burn <laughs> alive with dragon fire, uh, we're talking today about the two gentlemen of, of Verona. Verona. Yeah, this is What You Will, a tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. I'm Charlotte Arlene. And I'm Danielle Cohn. And we, God, we just love this one play, this two gentlemen play. We just couldn't get enough of it. Read it three or four times, I think. Just couldn't yeah. st- read it once, went back for more seconds. Very well versed in it. Definitely didn't put off recording this for several weeks so that I have vaguely any idea what this play was about. Uh, I, I kind of regret saying so that much. Julius Caesar was my least favorite Shakespeare play. Yeah, I feel like really the fun of this podcast is going to be Charlotte realizing what her least favorite Shakespeare Ooh. play is over the course of... Although maybe this one will just win. I don't hate it as much as she does. I, okay, I don't, I, I like Shakespeare, I promise. It's just, I, I feel like what's been told to me about, uh, Two Gents is one of the, the rare Shakespeare plays that I had not seen or read before recording, the, starting this podcast. So what most people have told me about it is, oh, it's one of his earliest plays and it's sort of a prototype for a mm-hmm. lot of plays that come later. It's a prototype for Midsummer. It's a prototype for Twelfth Night, As You Like It. And reading it, not really. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I think there are definitely echoes of those things. Yeah, but it's, it, yeah, it just... You can see the drafting uh, happening or the beginning of... It just more feels like Shakespeare hasn't quite found his voice yet. Yeah. So, here's what the play Two Gentlemen of Verona is about. So we start in Verona. I was almost going to say some Italian city, as though it's not <laughs> in the title. We start in Verona, and there are two bros, and they're going to take a gap year from college. And uh, Proteus is like, man, have fun on your gap year in Milan to his best friend Valentine. But Proteus wants to stay at home uh, with his girlfriend, who isn't officially his girlfriend yet, Julia. Yeah, he's like super, super in love with her, and Valentine sort of makes fun of him because all young Shakespearean characters, until they fall in love, if they are male, they're like, haha, love is stupid. So they have that classic scene. Um, and then they separate. And so, uh, Proteus sort of has this whole thing with Julia where he's trying to court her, and then we see Julia herself, and she clearly has a crush on Proteus, but doesn't really want to admit it. Um, she has a whole back and forth with her maid, who's like, you're being dumb. Um, and indeed she is, because by the end of the scene, she realizes that Proteus is in love with her. She sings all of, uh, Won't Say I'm in Love from Hercules, and then (laughs) Proteus's dad, the most important character in the play, is, like, talking to his friend, and he's like, you know what? 
I hate my fucking son Proteus. I do think he should also go to Milan and not be here anymore because he fucking is stupid. Yeah, and also because, like, men, that's what they should do. They should take gap years in Milan. Educated. I don't know. Um, So he's like, Proteus, you have to go to Milan. And Proteus is like, I guess I have to because the play's plot has to start somewhere. So he tells Julia, like, oh, we'll stay in touch, baby. Long distance is super easy. And he goes to Milan. And she gives him, they, they exchange rings. Classic. Because, of course, you have to exchange have rings. To. It's a Shakespeare play. So they go to Milan. Valentine is super stoked because uh, his life is perfect now because he's met a woman. He's super in love. He's like, oh, I guess I was wrong. Proteus is right. I'm in love. Love is great. Um, and he's, it's, there's actually like a very cute scene where he's been courting, her name is Sylvia, um, and she has told him to write a letter for the guy she's in love with. Oh, yeah. And so he like wrote this whole letter and he's kind of bummed about it, but he's like, whatever, I'd rather be like hanging out with her and writing a letter to whoever she likes than not hanging out with her at all. And his servant is like, you're such a fucking idiot. And he's like, I don't get it. And then Sylvia's like, give the letter to yourself. And he's like, why? He's like, you'll, you'll figure it out eventually, baby. And she walks away and he's like, oh, wait, she's in love with me. Perfect. And now my best friend is here. Also perfect. My life is perfect. Oh, yeah. And they both have servants who are clowns and one of them has a dog. Yeah. Um, so Valentine gets there and he's like, oh, shit, man, this is great. You're in love with Sylvia. I'm in love with Julia still. And then he sees Sylvia and he's wait, like. Wait, Proteus gets there and says all those things. Yeah, yes. what did I say, Valentine? Valentine, they're, they're the same. Same fucking character. Uh, Proteus gets different. But similar. Uh, so Proteus gets there and he's like, and then he's like, I'm in love with my girlfriend back home, Julia. We Skype all the time. And then he sees Sylvia. Literally just visually sees her and he's like, fucking never mind. Like, I'm in love with her now. Bazinga, I love Sylvia. Now. Yeah, his eyes pop out. <laughs> like in the Animaniacs. Like, with his like glasses. <laughs> Hello, like, nurse exactly. Sylvia. Um, so yeah, he's also in love with Sylvia, but Sylvia's daddy wants her to marry some boring guy. Turio. I don't yeah. remember anything about him. He He's just, like, old and boring, and people make jokes at his expenses, his whole character, basically. <laughs> um, so then... So then, uh, basically, Valentine and Sylvia decide they're going to run away and be together, um, and Valentine obviously tells his best friend Proteus, but Proteus, by this point, is plotting against him. Oh, yeah. Um, because he wants Sylvia for himself, so mm-hmm. he goes and tells... Uh, Sylvia's dad that they're going to run away together and Sylvia's dad has a whole scene with Valentine where he like tricks Valentine traps Valentine into basically a corner where he has to admit that he's about to do that Um, so instead he banishes Valentine and he gets really mad at Sylvia and he's still trying to get Turio to to court her meanwhile back in Verona Julia's like god I really miss Proteus I think I'm just gonna go visit him but it's dangerous to be a lady so I'm gonna dress as a man (laughs) And that's just her <laughs> that's whole just thing. She, that's her. She's like, you know what boys like is when you surprise them in drag <laughs> at the, uh, their their gap year study abroad program. Um, and so she goes off. Meanwhile, uh, Valentine has been banished, and he's like, oh man, being banished sucks. Honestly, why didn't Romeo and Juliet go this way? Where Romeo's banished and just joins a band of bandits living yeah, in the woods. Yeah, and then Juliet's like, cool, I'll go meet you. <laughs> but yeah, he's banished, he, and he's he like, joins some bandits. Yeah, it's and, actually funny because the bandits are like. Oh, so scary and then he gets to know them and they're like actually we're pretty soft we're all soft boys well, yeah they're we're like all just so, like rich so what'd you do to get banished and he was like i killed someone because he's trying to like seem hard and they're like oh shit man we all just like pickpocketed and like had crushes on the wrong girl and yeah. you're like so hardcore so <laughs> do you want to be our leader <laughs> so they make him their <laughs> bandit king and he um morphs into robin hood the fox before yes. our eyes um meanwhile Proteus is like, now Sylvia is all mine, but then... Sylvia's like, I'm literally not. I hate you. Sylvia's the best character in this play. I know. We'll get there. (laughs) Sylvia's so reasonable. Yeah, she's like, dude, you suck. Go home to your girlfriend. And also, like, what makes you think that just because my boyfriend is banished, I'd want to be with you? You're scum. And he's like, so it's a maybe, right? (laughs) Uh, And meanwhile, Julia arrives in Milan, but she she overhears him. Be, she literally she like watches him, him yeah. courting yeah. Sylvia. He and Turio are, are singing a song for Sylvia because sing a song of Sylvia. Because um, Proteus has been like, I'm gonna help you woo her. It's very you know classic. You're kiss me kiss me Kate. Tame of the shrew. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. I'm I'm gonna be yeah. helpful, but actually I'll be wearing yeah. myself uh, and making a fool of you. And Julia literally watches this whole thing. And finally, everybody leaves except for. Uh, Proteus and Sylvia and Proteus is like please please love me please love me and she's like 
no. And he's like, then send nudes? Um, <laughs> and she's like, ew. Still no. Sure, I'll give you a picture of myself. He's like, Cause then my shadow will be in your shadow. Anyway. So Sexy. she's like, fine, I'll give you a picture of me if you'll fucking leave me alone. And uh, then Julia, who's pretending to be his servant, comes to get the picture from Sylvia. And has a whole speech about how she's like, gosh, I wish he would be in love with me instead of this weird picture. And no one pulls Julia aside and is like, sis, go home. He's not worth it. So then Sylvia decides that she's going to run away to go join Valentine. So she talks to Sir, I want to say Eglamour is how you pronounce his name. Eglamour. Sir Eggplant. Sir Eglamour. Yeah. Eglamour, I love. And she's like, hey, you're honorable. Will you help me? I'm going to run away to the woods. And he's like, sure, I get it. We've all been there. We're all teens in a Shakespearean universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So she goes to go find Valentine and Proteus goes to go find Sylvia and... Julia goes into to go find woods. Proteus. Da, da, da. Exactly. So everybody gets into the woods. The outlaws capture everybody. Um, there's a moment before Valentine like reveals that he's one of the outlaws where Proteus is arguing with Sylvia because he's like, I'm rescuing you. And she's like, fuck you. I would literally rather be attacked by these bandits than be rescued mm-hmm. by you. <laughs> and he's like, fine. Then you know what? If you're not going to give me your love, I'm going to take it from you. And he goes to force himself on her. And he's very clear in the language that that's what he's doing. It's not ambiguous like some of the other ones in Shakespeare that we just staged that way. He says, like, then I will force myself upon you. Yeah. And then Valentine's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the bandit king. Get the fuck away from my girlfriend. (laughs) Valentine was, like, going to do a whole cute... Like Princess Bride thing, yeah. where he's like, no one knows that I'm the Bandit King, and then, and then, and then he's like, whoa, 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 time out, this is getting very serious. And, but then within like two pages, he's like, Proteus is like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Yep. And then Valentine's is like, guy, it's fine, we're best bros. Yeah. It's cool. Valentine forgives him. Forgives um, and him. then Julia faints, which means she's a girl. Yeah. And then she's he's like. She's like, wait, I had to deliver a ring. And she gives Proteus her ring instead of his ring. And he's like, wait, how did you get this? I gave this to Julia. And she's like, surprise, I'm Julia, you fucking asshole. And then they're like, great, now everybody's here. So Proteus and Julia will get married. Valentine and and Sylvia will get mm-hmm. married. Conveniently, her dad shows up and is like, you know what? You seem like a good guy, Valentine. <laughs> I changed my mind Well, because stage. also Turio has a line where he's like, I'd rather not marry someone than marry someone who doesn't want to love me, which is kind of an interesting placement <laughs> for that line, considering yeah. the behavior of every man in this play. Uh, uh, Turio's the only real feminist. Yeah, he's like, fuck this. And then the dad's like, whatever, Valentine, you can marry her. And none of the women say anything. And then the play ends. And then the play is over. <sighs> so it's it's like a, a rom-com written by medieval frat boys. So as I was rereading this play for this podcast, because this is actually a play I've seen a couple of times, and one of the productions I think was just quite good because I remember being like, what a good production. And I, uh, you know... Now that I've reread this play, I'm like, good job, you guys, for engaging me in this play. Yeah. Um, but I was sort of thinking about, like, you know, what are we going to talk about? And thinking about, like, oh, well, surprise, like, a lot of these jokes are actually hold up and they're pretty funny. And, oh, isn't it interesting? Like, a lot of these characters are really clear in a way that sometimes we lose in later Shakespeare plays that are more nuanced. Like, we really follow everybody's beat by beat. Um, and, the, you know, the characters are flawed, but they're young and whatever. And then you get to the end. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's a play where we kind of need to talk about the end before we can go back and be like, here are the saving graces of the play. Because the end, as a modern audience, is you can't get around it. Well, I also think it says something about Shakespeare that, you know, obviously it was a different time, it was a different context. I don't think the ending of this play... We certainly would not have been received the same way we receive it now as a modern audience who believes that women are people uh, in terms of Proteus uh, attempting to rape Sylvia and then immediately being like, oh, dog, I'm sorry, that was my bad. And Valentine's like, it's cool. And then the play ends. Yeah. Um, But it does seem like Shakespeare wrote what was probably more of a by-the-numbers rom-com for his time and place yeah. for this time around. And later on, his stories became more nuanced and he became more interested in character and creating 
I don't know that Shakespeare ever sat down to be like, this would be a very identifiable character, but creating characters who were consistent and internally motivated and had human psychology. It feels like we're not quite there with his character writing in this play, besides, of course, for Launce, who is perfect. Launce is perfect, and we'll get there. <laughs> Although, I will say, on the other hand, I, I do feel like we get the psychology. It's just that it sucks. Like, these people are shitty. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm I'm maybe giving more credit than is due to this being a happy ending. Like, if the ending is in any way happy, or if we, the audience, are in any way supposed to root for mm. Proteus, then it, yeah, it, it, it just, he just doesn't feel as complex. I mean, th there are characters in later Shakespeare plays that have these problems, like Leontes in um, Winter's Tale goes from being like, me, I'm the king, to my wife is cheating on me and I'm gonna kill her in like a 90 seconds flat. Yeah. With, with no, it, it's just hard because later on when Shakespeare has, um, you know, protagonist young lover or even middle-aged lover characters who turn evil and get violent towards women we usually get like a whole play of Iago whispering in Othello's ear or just we usually get something that yeah. like takes them down this garden bath to hell instead of just this play I think the I, I usually say don't play the end of the play at the beginning of the play but I think in two gents if you're gonna have a production that works it has to be, it has to have some elements of darkness, and Proteus has to, like, a little bit, even if he thinks that he's the young lover protagonist, be that creepy frat boy That's from the top. That's what I was going to say, is I think that part of, for me, I think that you're, we're, we're, we're responding to the same thing. It's mm -hmm. just that I think I, I, just more readily, I'm like, yeah, he's shitty. And, like, he, it's an interesting, it's like a full, as full as we're going to get within this type of play, but, like, the arc of someone who is at their core like a selfish person yeah because at the beginning we sort of get which we get in a much more beautiful way in romeo but we start with the like he's in love with love mm -hmm. he's not in love with julia mm -hmm. um but he thinks he's in love with julia but he's never dated julia yeah and then he's like oh i could never leave you and then he sees sylvia and again it would be lovely to get a, a little bit more of a moment but the, i think one of the interesting things about proteus again not really giving it good or bad but we get multiple monologues from him where he knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, you know what? This is what I want, and these are my choices. And I can choose to put this down inside of me and not go for it, or I can choose to betray my friend and get the girl I want, mm -hmm. and I'm smarter than everybody here, and I'm going to get what I want. And just, again, because I, I feel like these lines blood. need to be heard, just so you know like that we're not exaggerating when we say there is no other way to stage the end of this play. Mm -hmm. He says to Sylvia... Uh, Nay, if the gentle spirit of moving words can no way change you to a milder form, I'll woo you like a soldier at arm's end and love you against the nature of love. Force ye. Sylvia says, oh heaven. And Proteus says, I'll force thee, yield to my desire. And then Valentine comes forward and says, ruffian, let go that rude uncivil touch, that friend of an ill fashion. So it, it, it is very real of this yeah. guy who's like, I was so nice to her. I sang at her window and I wrote her letters and I told her that I love her and she doesn't want me. And you know what? Fuck that bitch. I'm going to get her. And it, that's not that far from a psychology that is very currently still prevalent. Yeah, I, I and, think... And even the, but then my bro came in and I, of course I would mm -hmm. never do that, man. Of course I would never do that. Well, one, you would have. And two, the fact that her saying, oh, heaven, in no way stopped you, it was Valentine coming forward oh, and yeah. being like, I mean, look, if you want to stage it in the most... No, there's no... There's you can't. No, because the fact that Sylvia says something before and then he still says, I'll force the yield to my desire, there is no room for actually, like, he's caught himself or sees himself. It is the fact that another bro walked in the room and was going to hold him accountable for what he was doing. Yeah. And I, I think you can't stage it any other way, nor should you. I no. mean, there, there are multiple ways to also, stick to... Also, both times to... I've seen this stage, the ending is not happy. Both of them had... One of them had it, I think, the last image was the four lovers standing on stage, just looking at each other in the woods, like, how do we come back from this? Because mm -hmm. we've basically been sentenced to being married, and rather than rewarded. And the other one, everybody left, and it was just the two women left on stage, like, looking forlorn. Yeah, well, I think what, what I was saying before is yeah. 
not that Proteus doesn't have real human psychology, it's still a Shakespeare play, but that if this is a lighthearted rom-com, it's missing his villain turn. So the only real way you can do this play today without completely changing the play so you're doing a different play is it's, it's dark, it's not a comedy. No. It's not... Fun. It's well, not coming till the end. It's coming till the end. Yeah, it's a comedy that has the, this horrifying. An unhappy ending. Tra- and, and I think you know there there is still merit to showing us this play because it is Proteus being like me. I'm the hero. I'm the good guy the whole way through. And the fact that Valentine forgives him so readily. The fact that all of these bandits are outlawed for things like being in love mm-hmm. with the wrong person. Like that's why Valentine is outlawed. <laughs> Sweet baby Valentine who. Is I the, mean, yeah. excuses um, his friend's sexual violence, so he's not a good person. But, you know, he he didn't do anything worth being exiled for before that, that we saw. Well, exactly. And I think that it's interesting also to have Proteus and Valentine next to each other, because Proteus is, he's, he's the one who, his hormones get him first, but he's like, oh my god, I'm so about love, but I'm also so smart and so sneaky. Mm-hmm. Whereas Valentine's real bad at being sneaky. He tries multiple times in the play to be sneaky, and he always fails. And he's bad at it. He's bad at being sneaky. Um, he's like a big, dumb guy. But even that, I think, especially if you do place this play as like, all right, we're going to dig in. This is a play about systemic sexual violence <laughs> like that shit doesn't exist without the valentines of the world who are like oh but it's my bro though yeah oh but he feels bad about it now so that's okay yeah well but i i think there is a way to do this play in which you can really feel the horrible hypocrisy of this society that will exile someone for being in love but totally excuse someone for sexual violence mm-hmm. and i also just even thinking about Poor Julia. I think also going into this play not knowing it very well and having been told, like, oh, Julia, she's this proto-Viola, she's this proto-Rosalind, she's this proto, you, you know, the, Helena, the plucky almost, Hel- Helena a little bit, um, the female lead who disguises herself as a boy to win back her lover. Oh, Apparently, I, someone was telling me about a production where Julia is heavily pregnant through the whole thing. Oh, that. Is interesting. Which is an interesting choice That's in terms of her desperation to get back to him. But I do think it's interesting that at the top, Julia has this whole scene with her uh, serving woman slash friend slash en- enemy, um, Lucretta? Lucetta? Lucetta? I Lucetta. I don't know how to say um, it. Lucetta. Lucetta? So, sorry, Italians. Um, yeah, we're just going to say it. <laughs> Lucy. Gonna, Lucy. Yeah. She's uh, hanging out. Well, I guess she would be Lucy and Lucy would be Ethel. But so she's hanging out with her serving lady, Lucy, <laughs> and she's like, mmm, Brody. Or they do the, the cute uh, Nerissa and Portia bit where she's like, what do you think of this guy? And Lucy's like, ham, he's so old, which is Shakespeare's favorite joke of like, an old, can you imagine? Old um, people don't get to have sex. <laughs> old people or get don't married. exist. Uh, and then whatever, going through different dudes. And then finally she's like, what about Proteus? And Lucy's like, Proteus is cute. And uh, Julia's like, whatever, I don't like him, shut up. And then he's written her this letter and she's like, it, she's in this denial and is doing this whole thing of like, no, I reject him, I reject him, I reject him, when really she likes him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that they start us offsetting up like, okay, this is the world where the expectation is that women say no and really mean yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the world that this play takes place in and that all the characters are living in, which I think gives some really important context. It doesn't excuse anyone. Like, I'm not interested in a version of this play that excuses Proteus and Valentine, even, like, on a historical basis of, like, but in olden times, rape it was, was okay. Because it wasn't. And, and also, this play makes it clear that it wasn't, yeah. because he comes forward and he's, like, ruffian, unhand her. Yeah. And even his own... That's the thing about Proteus that's so, I mean, interesting, is he never does bad things by accident. Mm-hmm. He says, like, then I'll do it against nature. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, well, and I yeah. was I was just going to say that, like, in other... Because I feel like people love to make weird excuses of, like, but, it, well, in that time, people got murdered left and right. No one was mad about murder. Whereas you have, like... But a, you're like, well, it was also like one of the one, Ten Commandments. So. Yeah, well, well one... Um, <laughs> y- yes, people were still upset about sexual violence, even if it was... 
more well, normalized. Well, I don't know if it was more normalized, whatever. Well, and it's, I don't think it a, was, at least not in the world of this play. Um, I, I, I just meant that it's also normalized today and we live in hell. Um, but Fell I also think... Yeah. Um, but like, no, 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 I mean, not new. You you think about <laughs> you think about other other early Shakespeare plays like Titus Andronicus, which is its whole other own canon of worms. The Comedy Bearers. Com- Comedy Bearers, a, a grim trudge through the plight of the proletariat, <laughs> and um, uh, Two Gents is a horrifying look at uh, <laughs> systemic sexual violence, and Titus Andronicus is honestly kind of a farce. So, but but I was we'll just gonna there. say that Titus Andronicus um, is another one of Shakespeare's early plays, his most popular play in his life, because it was just basically 300, but a Shakespeare play. Um, but it, the whole big horrifying act that kind of, in a play full of horrifying acts, is uh, the rape of um, Lavinia. Lavinia. <laughs> Sorry, Lavinia, I almost forgot your name, which is, it's, I feel bad because my parents have Or as have she named... pronounces her name, No, <laughs> <Sorry>. stop. <laughs> stop. That's horrible. My parents have named their GPS system Lavinia um, in the car, the woman's voice that's like, turn here, because the, it's their joke that like, that's where Lavinia's voice went. That's <laughs> horrible. It's horrible. She gets her tongue cut out and her hands cut off. Um, by the men who attack her. What is yeah, the sound but... of Lavinia clapping? That's the joke. Oh, we gotta save something for <laughs> Titus Andronicus. Um, oh boy. <sighs> Happy finale of Game of Thrones, everything is bad. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's important to remember the context that this was still a horrifying act. It is, it was still wrong, even socially at the time, even if the, the play might have still been received as a comedy because Proteus is like, Oh man, I'm I feel sorry. bad about that. And because they all end up getting married. Oh, that's it's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. And I also think, I mean, even Sylvia marrying Valentine, again, especially in this one of the versions that I've seen where it ended with the four lovers looking at each other, it's like it's a play where they've all betrayed each other. And I mean, I don't really think that this is the way to do the play, but one of the things about the play is that they all start, you know, young and dumb, and they all get hurt full and of, hurt each other. Full of, full of cum. N- I hope young not. And dumb and full. Is that a thing? Y- yes. Great. None of well, they all start young and dumb and not full of cum, and then they end oh, my sad and older. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> mine too. Oh well. Uh, you know, disappointing our parents is just part of. Anyway, um, so that's I. Anyway, before we got any further into the the show, I wanted to make sure we really gave talking about the end. Well, because too. the end is so horrifying that it kind of overrides the rest of the show and I think you actually could have a very cool very nuanced production of this where you you kind of intentionally make it a play about this systemic violence of the engendered violence of the world that they live in also the other bad thing not as not as bad I want to be very clear I'm not making light of sexual violence but also Proteus tries to make Lance give his dog away, and that's also a bad thing yeah, that so he does. Yeah, so let's get to the, the best parts of this show, which I do think that the, the honestly, for me, the, I guess, saving Proteus grace, sucks. if you want to call that, is that this show is often very funny. Well, hang on, is it? I mean, okay, there, there are jokes in it, for sure. The clowns are funny. The clowns are funny, but... And there's I'm, a dog in it. There's a dog in and it. And especially if you have a real dog, God, that's the whole show. You have, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, um, I've been trying to, but not, not always, but trying to read the Harold Bloom chapters on each of these um, plays, just because even though Harold Bloom is, like, branded as a maverick, he, he does often have, like, the presiding academic opinion on a lot of these plays. Um, and his, I know he's problematic, don't at me, and his uh, his opinion on Two Gents is he manages to get, like, one paragraph in before talking about how Falstaff in <laughs> Mary Wives of Windsor is not the real Falstaff because he's he's really angry about Mary Wives of Windsor is Harold Bloom's main opinion on all Shakespeare plays. But we'll, we'll, <laughs> one day we'll get to Mary Wives of Windsor and then we'll all fight each other. Uh, but he basically is like, this is a garbage bad comedy, and the only good part is the dog. 
And I a little bit, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the clowns, the clowns are funny, and funnier than some of Shakespeare's other early clowns. Yeah. And there are two of them. There's and especially because they're so Lons. early. Yeah, like, Speed and Launce are yeah. the two, uh, the servants of Valentine and Proteus, respectively. And, and Launce is introduced, he comes out with his dog, whose name is Crab, and he's like, I have to leave home to Better go. Better than naming your dog. Your dragon Drogon. I just was trying to make a Game of Thrones joke, but didn't. <laughs> the the one about the, the dead. There are so many Game of Thrones y War of the Roses Shakespeare plays, and we finish watching Game of Thrones when we're doing the least Game of Thrones y Shakespeare play <laughs> of all time. Maybe for the best. Maybe, maybe. Um, one but... of my favorite Game of Thrones jokes I've been hearing uh-huh. lately is, is the one that you told me of. Uh, Naming your dragon Drogon so lazy and stupid. In the meantime, here's my dog, Deg. So, this is my dog, Crab. <laughs> Crab isn't as bad as Drogon the dragon. It's a different animal. Drogon the anyway, dragon. So he I has just, his dog, I just, Crab. hang on. True I love. Ju- no. It's the only real love we, in the play. I feel like no one gave Aragon enough shit for just being dragon, but with an E instead of a D. Aragon, dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so the thing about the clowns, though. Actually, now that I'm thinking of it out loud, I would love to maybe make the the argument, like, the only true pure love in the play is, is a man and his <laughs> man dog. And his dog. I mean, at least Sylvia and Valentine like each other. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. But, like, <laughs> he, like, sacrifices for that dog. He, like, he takes does. some shit. Well, he pretends that he peed himself at that one dinner. Yeah, but also he was going to give the trouble. dog to Sylvia. So uh, one of Proteus's many schemes to get Sylvia to like him is he's going to give her a dog. And so he tells Launce to do this, and Launce thinks he needs to give him Crab, Launce's dog. And so he does, and Launce, like, <laughs> or Crab makes a big scene at a dinner party, which we all, we don't see on stage. Launce just comes on with the dog and is like, let me tell you about some crazy antics my dog got up to off stage. <laughs> um, and then Proteus comes in, and he's like, not your dog, a better dog is what I meant. And oh, I, mis- I think I misunderstood that right? speech. Right, was- I thought it was that he said... He, he said to give a dog, and she said no, and then I thought maybe she'd like my dog better because he's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Let me double check. But Let's pull that, yeah. that speech up, because again... Because it's one of the best speeches I in the play, anyhow. read this um, several weeks ago from now, when we're recording, <laughs> like a very responsible podcaster. Lance dog monologue. Lance um, dogalogue. Dog, dogalogue. Dogalogue. And Speed is just another servant who's like, I'm, I'm funny. He doesn't really have, like, his own distinct thing so much, as much. Oh, okay, we looked it so, up, yeah, and it's, it's both. both. It's both. <laughs> yeah. We're both right. Don't, he spends don't the, worry. Yeah, it's, this is why we're perfect together. But yeah, but he spends the whole thing being like, my dog, my dog, my dog, and then finally Proteus is like, what the heck? He's like, I, I got her a cute small dog, and he's like, oh no, that was stolen from me, so I gave her my dog, but my dog is much bigger. <laughs> Uh, so it's, it is, you know, you're right. It is funny. I think it's just that, like, Proteus and Valentine aren't very funny. But even that, I mean, like, the thing that makes them Which funny is, is their banter with their clowns. Yes. Like, and with but their servants. They, they each get a full clown. They each get one full <laughs> clown to make up for the fact that they themselves are not funny. But yeah, again, like, I, as I said in the synopsis, I think that the scene with Valentine where he's like, well, I have to write her a letter is, like, very cute. It's, that's It's true. cute more than it's it is cute. funny. I'm being... I think I'm just being harsh on this play because it is such like a a, a pale um, earlier draft of these later plays that True. Shakespeare writes, and also because the ending is so horrifying. It's so horrifying. <laughs> well, I think the other thing, honestly, is like the reason I keep being like I've seen this play a couple of times is that I remember the jokes when I was watching them being very funny, mm-hmm. and then reading them, I was like, oh, these are fine. But I think one of the things that Two Gents has going for it in terms of comedy, like in terms of uh, why it endure the comedy endures is that the comedy is very simple. So mm-hmm. even as the play ages, a lot of the comedy is still funny because it's so basic. Where it's like, we can all get down with a dog wet himself and then a man ha- took credit for it because he's worried about the dog. Aww. You know, we all understand, even though it's Crab not that funny, boy. like we've got that whole scene, even with, you know, where one of the clowns is like, I'm gonna marry this girl. And then does a type five on how she's not great, but she's rich. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it, But even that is, like, also a funny scene. Because unlike Comedy of Errors, where it's all punching down, punching down, punching down, it's a back and forth. Because the whole beginning of that scene is that one of the clowns is like, 
I'm going to make fun of him. And then the clown with the letter is like, I'm going to trick him. So it's, I don't know, there, it's like the, this long... It's much more the the sort of commedia dell'arte, like the clever servant getting the best of his master and like running about with the dog than the weird, horrible cla- class war <laughs> slavery yes. comedy of comedy of errors where it's just like, ah, he beats his servant that who who he owns. Yeah. Get get it? Yeah. And it's like, oh no! But yeah, so the, this play, it, it has many flaws. They're different flaws <laughs> They're different than flaws. some of Shakespeare's other early comedies. Um, yeah, so Proteus and Valentine. Being like, you're a sheep, and then doing a whole riff about how he's a sheep is, like, funny. It's funny. The, cl- the It's a comedy. It's good. It's, it, Lance is funny. Poor Lance. He doesn't want to go to Milan, though, which is sad. Um, yeah. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of what else is, like, worth... I'm trying to think of other, like, big ideas about this play that I wanted to make sure... I mean, let's talk about Sylvia. She's yeah, my favorite character. I think as long as we're doing an overview let's talk about the ladies yeah it's one of those where usually in this type of dynamic we like the julia character better yeah but in my personal opinion sylvia is <laughs> sylvia better. is better she's it's, just like cool and she doesn't have that much to finally do. a play where the smart pretty girl is also the most popular one <laughs> But it's interesting where it's like, you know, she doesn't have that much to do, but she's very clear and she's logical and she's a spitfire and she doesn't take any shit from anyone. And she's like, oh, fuck this. I don't like it. I'm going to run away. Like everything yeah. about her is is consistent. Yeah. But I, she's also smarter than Valentine and she knows it. Yeah. Like fine. with the whole letter bit where she's like, I want you to write a letter to the man I love. Now give it to yourself. And Valentine's like, why the fuck are you always being mean to me? And yeah. she's like, no, 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 Valentine. It's, it's like that scene in the I office. I also like when she reads it and she says, I wish you'd written it better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the scene in the office when Andy finally decides to ask Aaron out. And yeah. um, he's like, can you send this fax to me? And everyone's been really mean to Aaron all day. And she's like, no, send it yourself. And he's like, no, no, no. Oh, my God. No, the fax is going to go to you. And it's me asking you out. And she's <laughs> like, oh, OK. Oh, wait, just let me send the fax first. And then she still goes to send the facts, even though now there's no point, and it's very cute. Anyway, that's basically Valentine and Sylvia's relationship. Yeah. Uh, except that Sylvia's also, like, rich and, like, stupid hot. Um, which I also think, it's interesting, especially if you are me and have launched this campaign to make all of Shakespeare's lightweight early comedies about uh, race, class, and gender. <laughs> um, which they are. I mean, which, which, all, all which, all, which all plays are, too. Yeah. To an, to an extent, extent. Um, yeah. yeah, it's different directors can focus on different uh, facets of it's the a story. Play about a dog, Charlotte. It's a play, it's just a play about a dog. About a dog. <laughs> um, I like how many. I, I was looking at for some reason. I was like looking at posters of various productions, and almost all of them are just like a dog in a bow tie. And everyone's like, "There's a dog in it. Look, a dog." <laughs> Even though in a lot of uh, productions, it's, it's not a real dog. It's a puppet or. or yeah, because dog working toy. with actual animals is so fucking Notice hard. the Shakespeare doesn't put any other live dogs in his place. Yeah. <laughs> you want to guess that he, learned he was his like, lesson. fuck this dog, <laughs> fuck everyone. No more live animals in these plays. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I, I think if you're going to, if you're directing it and casting it with the focus of like, okay, this is a play that is a reflection of this uh, very gendered, very violent society where all... You know, like the one we live like in. Like the one we live in. Um, then how Sylvia looks and presents and how Julia looks and presents can be like a really interesting yeah. choice to make. Um, because Sylvia is beautiful. Like everyone thinks she's beautiful and her daddy is rich. Um, but like how much of... Your daddy's rich and your mama's good looking. Exactly. That's <laughs> a song about Sylvia. Um <laughs> Also, who who Sylvia is Sylvia? The that's that's the song the, the song they sang. Who is Sylvia? Um, also, <laughs> the goat. The goat. She's the it's, goat. Uh, uh, Albie. The greatest of all time. Look it up. It's a good play. There's a good play called The Goat or Who Is Sylvia. The or, greatest of all time. It's Sylvia. Man fucks a goat. Um, Sorry. Continue. So yeah, no, I, I I was just basically gonna say uh, yeah, Sylvia's a great character. She's also kind of the proto like Olivia character from yeah. Twelfth Night, where she's just like really hot except sylvia doesn't have the extra character layers of like being in mourning or anything and she's also neurotic or like she's not that self-obsessed she's just kind of like 
Yeah, I am very hot and rich. Oh, Valentine's sweet. I like Valentine. And like, fuck you, Proteus. I don't like you. And just very, she's really straightforward. Yeah. But I do think there's something nice, especially if she is this like extremely, you know, society's highest standard of beauty looking girl. Um, to be like, yeah, she's she's still very nice and down to earth and not like a bitchy, vapid. No, and, not at all. You it's know, also anything. interesting though because I feel like because of how we're programmed, kind of as storyteller mm-hmm. or people who consume stories, we're like, great. So there's the one who's really hot, and then the other one who's probably like more down to earth and less hot. But that's not really what Julia is. Julia's like, also hot. Julia's also hot. <laughs> They're all hot. They're all hot. All of Shakespeare's <laughs> characters should be very hot. Everyone is hot. Um, but no, but Julia is also very pretty in a very conventional way. Mm-hmm. And she's also like sort of just as turned around about this whole how do I have a crush on a boy thing. Like it's not yeah. like, oh, but she's the nerdy one and that's why he doesn't like her anymore. And this it's is, also not even it's, like it's a, frat boys and sorority girls. Exactly, it's not of no the tempest a where like no. you know she she's the only woman he had seen before. They live in Verona, like he picked her. Um, I but just... it's also interesting because Julia has this one speech that I think can be played in a lot of different ways. But she has a speech where she's there with the portrait that she's going to deliver, the portrait of Sylvia, and she goes through it like comparing herself, and it's. First of all, a very real moment for any girl who's ever liked a boy who liked somebody else. Because mm-hmm. she's just trying to break it down going, what is it that he likes about this girl yeah. that I don't have? Yeah, she's, and in, she's insta-stalking she's, Sylvia. Yeah, and because it's a teen, she's like, well, her hair is this color, my hair's this color, and her eyes are this. But so much of what she's d- saying is she's like, we have very similar eyes. Mm-hmm. We have very, I have a better forehead. She's got different color hair. Like, why is this what it's, this is not what it's about. And again, there's definitely room for it to be that she actually feels that or that she's trying to make herself feel better Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's also can be just like a very funny, very relatable piece. Yeah. But I do kind of love that that's in there in this like exploration of frat culture of like, you know, and, and she even says, what should it be that he respects in her, but I can make respective in myself if this fond love were not a blinded God? Like, there's also a little bit of acknowledgement of, like, on the one hand, maybe it's just a first sight thing. And that's definitely what we're led to believe, because Proteus is with Sylvia for all ten minutes before mm-hmm. he decides to abandon the love of his life. But first sight thing and an unavailable thing. I was going to say, but I think there's also, like, there are other factors that factor into this kind of thing. And that's part of why this is, like, a proto midsummer because yeah you know helena's love looks not with the eyes but with the mind and therefore is the winged cupid painted blind is so much more elegant <laughs> um yeah but i think both of them acknowledge like it's not just about how hot she is even though that is kind of what it's about it's also this like weird like the heart wants what it wants argument that's like annoying but interesting yeah and the, again because it's proteus it's not really that but from the perspective of the girl trying to make yeah, sense yeah, of yeah, it yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah no totally and well one i do love that julia doesn't really take her feelings out on sylvia no she's not she doesn't hate sylvia or try to tear her down it's not that kind of story she literally says i'll use thee kindly for thy mistress sake who used me so yeah that's my job i vow i should have scratched out your unseeing eyes but she's <laughs> like yeah this 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 woman was does has never met me and all i've heard her say and she doesn't know that i'm me i've overheard her being like go back to julia you love mm-hmm. julia yeah like if if you would rend me from you know they've got this whole back and forth where she's like i might as well be dead and he's like then i would dig you up from the ground and she's like but you just said that julia might as well be dead go dig her up from the ground yeah or she's, just kill yourself it, i mean it is um similar to all's well except that both of the women are like nice and hot and not off-putting like all's well <laughs> helena um but like all's well helena has uh you know she she talks to um What's her face? Fontabelle. Diana. Yeah. Um, because he's like, I thought your name was Fontabelle. Diana's like, no. And he's not like, even close. He's like, oh, moving on. Um, but uh, Diana also, she, you know, she's having this scene where she's pretending to flirt with him. But even in that scene, she's like, 
aren't you married? Don't you have a wife? And it has all that stuff about, like, he would be hot if he wasn't being shitty to his wife. Like, I like that in in a lot of the women in Shakespeare, his, like, default woman is always, like, supportive of mistress. Is, like, she's never falls into the female rivalry trap. I mean, there's a lot to be said for Julia should be harder on Proteus because she's just like, I'm sad. He likes another girl when she should be like, bitch, what? Um, But, yeah, there's that. And then with... Proteus, I think he kind of embodies a lot of the accusations people lob at Romeo. Yeah. Um, also, I would love to see a production of this play where we just see Romeo and Juliet happening in the background whenever we're in Verona. <laughs> <laughs> oh, much, that's amazing. A much better love story. Um, that's yeah, really funny. Right? I'm going to do that one day. We should do, we that's should all, so funny. all do that. Um, how, or like a, so tragic. A, a spliced together version. And also like what a, what, and it's also what a great example of like Real love versus real teen love yeah. versus like fake teen well, love. Because I think Proteus, I mean, I don't want to come down too hard on Julia and Sylvia and Valentine for all that they're a little stupid. They genuinely love each other and it's consistent and neither of them. They're fall. willing to run away yeah. for each other. And Better she, plan than Juliet and Romeo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, can she, uh, can't this band of bandits like just get go? Valentine's like, I'll just go get a rope ladder. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of good planning. Um, but yeah, also that that uh, daddy Sylvia doesn't like kick his daughter out. He kicks the guy out when he finds out that yeah. she's been stooping some guy. Although I, I don't think they're sleeping together at that point. It's they're just trying. They're to... not. The issue that her father has is that they're planning to run away. Yes, yeah, so that they're planning it's, to run yeah. away. Um, and also that she's uh, promised to Turio, who yeah. is has no personality. <laughs> he's like kind of foppish or old, he's maybe foppish and old. Mm, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's just that he's always cast old. I think there are lines he, about him being I, old. I think it's it's kind of a, is maybe a also a Paris um, syndrome yeah. where they're like he has to be he's, bad. He has to be bad because he's the other man. But I do kind of yeah. like a version where Turio's not so bad and does have that moment at the end of like, oh yeah, oh, I she pulled it up. Love the, me back. the line is Sir Valentine. Her. I care not for her. I I hold him but a fool that will endanger his body for a girl that loves him not. I claim her not, and therefore she is thine. Yeah. It's interesting because I like that he's like, fuck that, I don't want to chase a girl who wants me. But also, very problematic in the way he phrases it. It's not about like, oh, I, I she's a person and I don't want to chase her. He's like, it's all about his own danger. Like, I don't want to endanger myself mm-hmm. for she's not worth it. And because I'm not laying claim to this object, you mm-hmm. can have it. Yeah, that is also there. Like, that is... Just to be like, you know, Turia's not the best. No, he's, you know, he's not really a feminist. That was a joke. No, no. no. Um, but, but, but with Proteus, I, yeah, I think he has that, like, bad fake straw man Romeo energy where, one, he's always in love with a girl he can't Oh my god, Julia is Rosaline. Julia's Rosaline. He's yeah. always in love with, like, but, but Sylvia's not, Sylvia's also Rosaline. Yeah. They're all Rosaline. <laughs> um, where he, he falls in love with these girls. Like, he never really gets Julia, because as soon as she's like, I do like you back, okay. Um, his da- his daddy is like, I have booked you this fun summer camp in Milan, and he has to leave. <laughs> and so he, they have their tearful, like, oh, I'll write to you, whatever, goodbye, I'll be back, i we're in love now because we're being separated and it's very dramatic. And then as soon as he meets Sylvia, he's like, well, my friend likes her and she's unavailable and she's hot and above me and whatever. It, he never really loves anyone who is his equal or who he actually genuinely knows. Yeah. Whereas like Valentine a little bit has the problem with, he clearly falls for Sylvia before he knows her well, but then they like get to know each other a little better. It's not Shakespeare's greatest love story. No, but they it's, like, cute, and they, they, they clearly have been talking like and hanging other. out. By yeah. the time we get to the letter, it's not the first time that they've interacted. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and they basically just uh, give us the retcon, like, at the beginning of the scene. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I've been hanging out with Sylvia a lot. <laughs> we like each other. It's cool. It happened offstage, like, all the times in Shakespeare and people get attacked by lions and bears. Um, attacked and, by love. And Yes. Um, and, and I do think it's nice that, and this isn't unique in, in Shakespeare or in any media, but that Valentine is not this in love with love guy. He's like, love is stupid. And then he falls for someone and he's like, love is amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting that also the reversal of that, where the one who's professing so mm-hmm. loudly to be so in love is not. 
And the one who's like, oh, whatever, fuck love, is the one who falls really hard. Sometimes men who are romantic are worse. Yeah, and are, like, so in love with the idea of love. Yeah. And again, I think that that's part of what you started to say about the straw man thing with Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet, is people will be like, they barely knew each other, they were so young, they just met. Whereas, at least with Romeo and Juliet, we get the completing of the sonnet at the party, and we mm-hmm. get the balcony scene. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you said, with Proteus and Julia, oh, poor Julia. Poor Julia. She just wanted to have a boyfriend. I know. Also, he was like, I love you so... I mean, who has... Ju- Julia, most relatable character in Shakespeare, besides Helena, who ruins her whole life for a man, <laughs> even though she's a kick-ass female doctor. But uh, Julia's just like, oh, this guy likes me. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. No chance. No way. But, 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 whatever. And she and then she's kind of like, I do like him. And then she's like, my long-distance boyfriend never texts me back anymore. I'll go surprise him at his dorm. <laughs> and then she shows up, and he has a new girlfriend who hates him. Yeah. And has fallen in love with someone else. I mean, I, I do think Julia should have gone home or married one of the hot bandits instead of Proteus. But it is, she... Even though she's not much of a character, she is a relatable, not much of a character. Can I, side note, just, can I tell you one thing about the bandits in one of the productions sure. I saw that's so funny? Please. It's just an image that I wanted to share with everyone. Yes. In this version, it was, like, very goofy, and so the bandits were all, like, covered in these, like, cloaks and, like, being, like, ooga booga, whatever, like, ah, we're scary. Sure. But then, as soon as, like, they revealed themselves, they threw off the cloaks, and they were all, like wearing like tennis outfits yes. with like rockets <laughs> and they were like all like posing <laughs> so it was like clearly that they also are very much valid even taking it a step yeah. further of like they did exactly what valentine did to be like we're really scary but also actually we're all very posh yeah That's i mean all. i think in my my frat frat sorority gap year production yeah. of, of this play I, I think the band is, we have to be clear that the these bandits are, like, of a class with Valentine is yeah. implied by what they're exiled for. Seems to mostly be the same kind of, also, like, who gets exiled? Poor people who steal and stuff just get, like, executed or put in jail. Yeah. Getting exiled is saved for, like, falling in love with a princess or something. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them have similar reasons. And also, they're all like, oh, shit, you killed someone? You better be in charge. <laughs> you sound like someone you competent. Sound hardcore. You're really hardcore and competent. Um, yeah, they can be like the scary frat on campus. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a perfect one to one for everyone. Yeah, or maybe they're even the nerds. They just like pretend to be scary. Oh, that would be cute. And they're... they make him king of the nerds. Yeah. And then he comes back. Oh, I like that character arc for Valentine. He has to go learn how to be a nerd. Yeah, maybe they're all in the library. That's the yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs> none of them. Have they're, oh, they're all the like library. in a. They're like all playing D and D, and they're like, "Who goes there?" <laughs> Who are you? What have you done? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm, I'm into this production. I'm into this production. And Lance is that kid who snuck his dog onto campus. Fucking Lance. He's high <laughs> as a kite. Oh, yeah. Lance is a stoner. Lance is a stoner. Poor Lance. He's, uh, his whole character arc is, I didn't want to leave Verona. I'm sad that I have to go with my boss to Milan. And then he has to almost give his dog away. But then he doesn't. But then he, he gets doesn't. to keep his dog. And he's going to go marry that very rich lady. And he's going to marry an ugly rich lady. So that's fine. I guess they really were two gentlemen of Verona. And now, Goodreads Reviews. Shakespeare is great for a reason. Unfortunately, the two gentlemen of Verona is not the reason. It had its interesting parts, especially I liked Protheus' development, but the ending is terrible, cheap, and lacks any creativity. Haha, I don't know, there's some good dick jokes, I guess. I like the dog. (laughs) 2012. Pretty clumsy in plot and scene structure. A couple of gems, but one is destined to find that when hunting in a quarry. 2014. In addition to what I said before, this play has scenes go on way too long to the point of not only kicking a dead horse, but kicking that dead horse until the kicker himself is dead. I'm looking at you, Act 3, Scene 1, and Act 3, Scene 2. Plus, everyone must be drunk or stoned in the last scene for it to make any bit of sense as to why they're all pleasant with each other after such atrocities. Underused character, Lucetta. I really loved this. About friendship. (laughs) Overall lacking depth. 
Certain parts are amusing, but most of the play feels as if Shakespeare tries too hard to create comedy. After a second read-through, I loved this book just as much, if not more. I love the depth and the exemplary characters in this play. How quickly Julia forgives Sylvia's loyalty. It's beautiful. Wow, this sucks. Wow, it's so bad. Wow, it's so fucking awful. The only appeal of it was how clear it was that Shakespeare knew that it sucked. Abrupt interlude with a dog is the only redeeming quality. There was a performance in Vancouver that had a bunch of background shit involving a gang of marauding ex-girlfriends, <laughs> and the implication is that the female leads here wind up killing their male leads and rob their carriage. This version also had a basset hound. That one gets three stars. <laughs> I wish I could visit New York like one of my cousins and see all of the bard's plays performed. Alas, I have to read them. For the most part, I follow them, but I would get so much more out of a performance. This particular play was not one of my favorites, but I didn't want to seem like a redneck from Tennessee, so I gave it five stars. I did like some of the wordplay, like the misunderstanding between lubber and lover. I'll keep chipping away at my complete works of Shakespeare book. It's like an homage to old Shakespeare written by his younger self. We got cross-dressing, friars, secret loves, amusing servants, even funnier dogs, a trip to the woods, random violence, and way too many weddings. It's also not as good as that description makes it sound. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Goodreads Reviews. So I know we don't usually comment on the Goodreads reviews, but there are just two that I really need us to just take a moment Uh together on. One, that someone hated this place so bad that they rated it one star, and then two years later (laughs) went back and rated it one star again for more reasons. I and also want to hug the one from Tennessee. Guys, one, that guy should listen to our podcast. You... Come to New York. We'll go see a Shakespeare. We'll play go see with Shakespeare you. play. Also, also can, the internet. There's some good stuff. You're you're kind of just like Shakespeare. That's okay. I mean, I I feel like there's so much pressure that like oh, if you don't like this Shakespeare play, you're dumb and a rube. That's not true. No one smart people don't have to like Shakespeare. But also, you can be a person who likes Shakespeare and not like this play. Yeah. I like Shakespeare, and this play makes me want to sit on a knife. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure we talked about, (laughs) one, how much one guy fucking hated this play, but two, like, just, I feel like our, you know, we try to keep this podcast fun and light and funny and accessible and all those things, but... I, I do think that there is a, a perhaps a larger problem in academia where people are just afraid of Shakespeare. They are. They just they think it's it's this big scary thing and that if they don't like it or they don't understand every bit of it, they're dumb. And then you read a play like Two Gentlemen of Verona and you're like, Oh, Shakespeare's pretty dumb too, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. So we love you. We love guy you, from listen, Tennessee. Listener. Guy from Tennessee. Not probably not our listener or girl from Tennessee. Person, uh, I meant guy as a as a non gendered person from Tennessee. I'm from the East Coast. We say hey Danielle. guys to a room full of people. I just individual Tennessean non specifically gendered individual from Tennessee. If you liked this podcast, you should review it and give us a good review. Like, don't leave. even and if you and if you're like, mm, did I get it? Then be like that guy from Tennessee. Be like that guy. Give, from us, the four, give us the five if stars. If you don't give us five if stars, if you don't get it, you're, you're dumb, and you should just like us and give it a five yeah, star review. Uh huh. Yeah, with Shakespeare, you don't have to feel that way. But our podcast, everybody, it'll make, if you don't like it, it'll oh. make you seem sophisticated. It will. If you give us a five star review. Uh, you can email us with your own wrong opinion at whatyouwillpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at what underscore you underscore will underscore podcast. And we really rely on word of mouth. So if you like this podcast, yell at your friends until they either listen to it or stop hanging out with you. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think that's the only way anyone ever starts listening to a podcast is that's how I got you into the McElroy's. And honest, oh, so this was the thing I wanted to say before. Do you ever just feel when we're recording, like, the spirit of Griffin McElroy just, like, come up inside I, of you? Well, I consume so much McElroy content that I, I'm i in constant You carry fear. them with you all the time. Well, I wanted, they live inside me in my head Same and my with heart. me. I, if the McElroy's are listening to this, <laughs> we just love you so much. But, well, no, I'm also scared of, Smut. like, just saying that speaking their their jokes their jokes 
They're good, good comedy. They're good, good um, that I don't want to steal because also I couldn't pull it off as well because I'm not three brothers. Oh, you're I'm only an, one I'm an brother. Only child. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we love you. Please keep listening. Please spread the word to the nerds in your life. Word to the nerds. Um, word to the nerds. That's it. Happy Pride. We love you. one gets to sit on the iron throne I, that's the whole joke Lance, the dog the dog crab crab melts the iron I, throne <laughs> oh i was gonna say it ends with Lance is exiled beyond the wall but then crab is there and he goes up and finally and gives him a, him a pet <laughs> he's a good good boy and uh speed kills the night king yeah he's so fast and sneaky fast and sneaky speed and speaky <laughs> and um Sylvia is, is Sansa Stark, Sansa, yeah, Sansa. Sansa, and Julia is. No, I guess Julia's Arya. She's like in disguise. Because she can be in disguise, yeah. So oh, Julia gets how to good would it be if Julia just stabs Proteus? And he, <laughs> I love that. Dissolves. Like Proteus starts off as like Littlefinger and turns into the Night King. He's just, like all of the most punchable <laughs> and Val- killable. Valentine is. Uh, Jamie? No. I mean, a little bit he's Jon Snow. He just, but, yeah, but, but we Lons wanted to end up with Lons Sansa. Jon S- oh, Sansa. No one ends up with Sansa. Sansa. We're going to have to Tyrion ends up with this. Sansa in my heart. Yeah, me too. I ship that. God, the, so many missed opportunities. I, I know a lot of people Ri- were not into that. We should have done Richard III or something so we could just talk about Tyrion wall to wall. And how Shakespeare is wrong about Richard III. You heard it here first. My opinion, about two, R. R. My, our opinion about two gentlemen of Verona is that Shakespeare is wrong about Tyrion Lannister, yeah. um, who is based loosely in part on Richard III. All right, you want to you wanna do a good read? He didn't really kill his nephews. 